0: All right, uh, liftoff, and the clock has started. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard.
1: Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed.
0: Discovery, go at throttle up. And And off, the final liftoff of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle. America will continue the dream. This is The Space Shot, episode 421, Rise of the Space Age Millennials, my conversation with Laura seward Forzik. I'm John Mulnix. Yesterday, I had the pleasure to speak with Laura again about her new book, which covers millennials in the space industry. It's a really interesting read, and I'm looking forward to having all of you listen to our conversation. Without any further delay, let's dive into that interview. Today, I'm talking with Laura seward Forzik. She's a space professional, a consultant, and an author. Um, she owns the space consulting firm Astrolytical, and she specializes in space science, industry, and policy, and she also offers career coaching services. Um, we've talked before in the past, um, so I'm, I'm excited to have you back on the show um, to talk about your book now. So Laura, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me on again.
0: So, you know, first off, I'd love to ask this question. What is your book about?
1: My book is called Rise of the Space Age Millennials, The Space Aspirations of a Rising Generation, which is pretty much what it sounds. I um, set out to probe the mindsets of millennials who are working in space or studying to work in space. And just for clarity, when I'm talking about millennials, I'm talking about people in their 20s and 30s. So born between 1981 to 2000 or so. And I'm an older, gener- older, older millennial, and I um, <laughs> I didn't like the perspectives that were coming out a couple years ago about all these negative stereotypes about millennials, it really didn't Mm -hmm. hold true to my perspectives and and my peers. So I really wanted to dive into what I knew, which was space and get an idea of how millennials like me who are working in space, how we work and what our priorities are and what our thoughts and goals are for the future within space. And it ended up being a very positive outlook about some very (laughs) forward thinking concepts. Um, You know, the more immediate stuff of, you know, where should we Go in human spaceflight and what should our priorities be when we're studying space and and really diving into how millennials work in the workplace and the generational differences, but also looking ahead to where millennials want to go next and what our goals are for the next half century or so
0: I think our our generation just reading the stories and um, or reading the responses um, from the people in your book it really confirmed how I felt. <laughs> on a lot of these, so it was nice to know that I'm not alone in how I feel about a lot of this stuff and I like how you've broken up the book into different you know questions essentially that you asked each of the respondents um, and the biggest thing, and I think this is something that our generation I, at least for me personally finds most important is what inspires us. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what was either surprising to you or if, you know, something if if it confirmed your belief um, about what inspires millennials?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked. That was my longest chapter in the book. And because it, it's such a, a comprehensive answer, very dependent on the person I asked. Mm-hmm. Last year, there were a lot of celebrations around the 50th anniversary of the Apollo moon landings. And a lot of people were inspired by Apollo. And we call that the Apollo generation. We, we talk about how Apollo really brought a lot of people into the space, the space sector, the space industry and NASA and worldwide. And yet, when you talk about millennials, we weren't born during the Apollo era, and we never saw humans land on the moon. So while we do have that historical perspective, for a lot of people, Apollo doesn't have that same inspiration, just because we haven't seen it with our own eyes. So for me personally, I was inspired by Apollo and a lot of the successes of NASA's past. But for a lot of millennials, they have, the things that they see in front of them, the, the you know perspectives that are brand new or forward thinking right now. And that would be the what's called the new space movement. So SpaceX, for example, is the, by far the most cited source of inspiration that millennials gave me. Um, Elon Musk's brave new technologies and the way that he operates and, and um, Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic and Bigelow Aerospace and some of these other new space players are really breaking ground. And that's what millennials have seen over the past decade or two, is these breaking edge technologies that, you know, NASA is still doing fantastic things, especially with some of the solar system probes and exoplanet observatories. And that too is a source of inspiration. But when you're talking about some of the things that are really going to impact millennials, um, it's the reusable rocketry and the, um, Easier access and maybe, hopefully, affordable access to space in the future, where millennials can see themselves getting involved, whether they are, you know, space tourists or taking a a point-to-point flight around the world, just like we take airplane flights now, or you know, these these new technologies that will really revolutionize what we're doing in space.
0: Yeah, well, definitely the the amount of. Progress that's been made by SpaceX and other new space companies is just really—it's inspiring to me. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I kind of took away for like a theme from the respondents in the book was—it's almost just breaking down the hierarchical kind of older, you know, how things were done in the past. Is I think you know at least for me personally that was kind of one of the impressions I got is. Breaking down those barriers of the hierarchy that's been in place for the industry for so long, just because, you know, waiting for something to happen, you know, it doesn't always, we can't wait for, you know, new technologies to come on 20, 30 years down the road. We want progress to be a little bit faster, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think what you're talking about is the the status quo and not being satisfied mm-hmm. with it. Yep. Which is a maybe not a millennial perspective. Maybe that's just an age perspective. I did make a difference in the book between, you know, stage of life versus generational differences. And I think that in general, younger people yeah. are less patient with the status quo and really want to see their goals and dreams and aspirations achieved within their lifetime. They want to change the world, right? I don't think that's necessarily a millennial trait. I think it's just we millennials are young and we are the ones now that want to break up that status quo and the way that we're hoping to do it or we're inspired by are these newer technologies by commercial companies that are not only giving us these newer ways of operating in space they're also opening up space to broader uh, broader uh, collection of players so we can talk about you know not just um you know White men of the United States of military backgrounds being astronauts, for example, to make it a more inclusive environment, but we can also talk about not just the United States in general and how international players are really coming on board because commercial space is opening it up to everybody
0: well, that was one of the things that when I finally got around to doing my uh, decade in review podcast a couple weeks ago, um, I, you know one of my big top tens was international space. It's not just NASA that's doing these world-class missions. You have India with the Mars uh, Orbiter mission. Um, You have JAXA. You have lots of different missions, whether it's to asteroids, like, you know, Rosetta for the European Space Agency, or as far out as Mars. International players... Are also starting to, you know, I think get a little bit more time in the spotlight, which is nice. And I think the democratization of space, especially with like a lower cost launch like SpaceX, is proof that they can provide that's definitely going to be, you know, incredibly transformative. So I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And another perspective that was highlighted in the book is how millennials, just based on the technology that we grew up with, don't see borders the way that older generations do. When you think back to some of the the beginnings of the space age and how it was really based on geopolitics, you know, the yeah. U.S. versus the Soviet Union, and and some of the other um, adversarial connections that we see now u.s versus china for example um those kinds of national pride and 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 uh let's say america first or whatever country you're in first Mm -hmm. those perspectives don't really ring true to millennials for the most part because we were brought up so internationally when you're brought up in a world that is so interconnected all the time we don't necessarily know what country the people we're speaking with online are from or where they're speaking mm-hmm. from, and nor do we necessarily care. And so um, except for the people who worked in you know, national defense areas of, of aerospace, for the most part, millennials did not see any problems with international collaboration. In fact, they highly encouraged it. Some of the respondents went so far as to say that they hoped space will bring together the world in a unified one Earth kind of way. Um, and so I think that's a, a mindset change that has not yet been embraced. By older generations, how millennials are just very internationally minded just because of the fact that we were raised that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and like ITAR, all of that fun stuff that also can kind of play a, a role, especially for students coming here, you know, from international. Um, it's one of those things that being collaborative, there's a lot of restrictions that are placed on the aerospace industry just because of the dual use nature of a lot of the, the technology. Um, was there anything that surprised you regarding, you know, how people felt? I mean, obviously, you were talking about it here just now. But was there anything that really stuck out um, at you relating to just how were you surprised about the collaboration, I guess?
1: Um, So what surprised me was just how diverse the responses were, right? I went into this with my own perspective, and I'm just a a one millennial, right? Um, And I got over a hundred interviews with various millennials who not everyone answered every question, but they all had their own perspectives. And some of those perspectives agreed with mine and some of them didn't. Um, And so Specifically about the international uh, you know, perspective, um, I think what most surprised me is that more, I consider myself an idealist, but some people went even further <laughs> to the point where they wanted <laughs> to um, disband, uh, you know, international countries and borders and, and just, you know, have like a United Federation of Planets kind of perspective with Great and all, but when you're thinking about realistically human nature, it's in our nature yeah. to, um, you know, no matter where we are and where we're operating, whether we're in space or on Earth, we're still going to have those borders and conflicts. Um, it's just going to change depending on. You know how far out you're looking. But within the millennial time frame, I think that we'll still see a continuation of the way things are now, just maybe taken a step further with a lot more international collaborations, just like you've seen with the International Space Station and now with NASA's Artemis program, partnering with different countries and hopefully being able to um, really create that kind of partnership that lasts just the way that the US and the Soviet Union, now Russia, has created partnerships that have last decades.
0: I think that the the slower progress on something we want the fast progress all the time but I think a slower more sustained shift towards more cooperation I think will probably end up being better at least from my point of view instead of just trying to you know change how we think overnight which just is that's not human nature that's not possible but I think you know slowly you know being more collaborative with other countries using space you know, exploration missions as a tool for good, I think slowly, that's going to start to change more things uh, over time. And that, that kind of relates to the next thing I want to talk about and just social media uh, that, you know, that kind of relates back to, you know, we don't know where people are from necessarily. But for social media, specifically, what what were you surprised about for millennials, uh, using social media platforms to communicate um, with the public and with each other?
1: yeah, I dedicated a whole chapter on social media just because I'm a bit of a social media addict. And so Same. I was very curious <laughs> yeah, I was very curious to see what other millennials' perspectives were. And to give you an idea of who I interviewed, I started out reaching out through Twitter um uh, three, I guess almost four years ago now um to to get my first respondents. and um through word of mouth, I asked for recommendations for each person I contacted, and I was able to get a my a more diverse, pool of people to interview and what surprised me the most was just the number of people who were not interested in social media or were purposely Mm -hmm. avoiding it because of privacy concerns um, or had to keep a very strict work personal separation were not at all comfortable collaborating about their work because of national defense sensitivities or other, you know, proprietary information sensitivities. Um, but then there were people on the up, other end of the spectrum. And I interviewed a, a wide range of types of people. So some people were scientists and engineers, and some people had other types of positions such as communicators, and especially those communicators, and whether they're journalists or educators or, or other people who used um, you know, corporate communications or other kind of communications, they very much thought that social media was a great platform, not only for getting the word out about space and science, but also for collaborating amongst themselves and spreading news, which is actually largely how I use social media as just a collaboration tool. And, okay. and I, I found a lot of diversity, even within that, how people use social media and what they used it for and who they collaborated with. And it's just a great, um, example of how you can use a tool or not use the tool and how that tool can be used to propagate information to build those kinds of partnerships and to really reach the different audiences that you want to reach.
0: Well, that's kind of what I've noticed especially over the last couple of weeks with everybody being home quarantining um is for, you know, Twitter, for social media platforms. I feel like you you get out of it, what you put in, you know, it's like the programming, like garbage in, garbage out. If that's what you're, you know, after on social media, you're probably not going to have the best time there. But if you really seek out, you know, like-minded people and engage in conversations, it can be incredibly fun, you know, an awesome tool and a great way to connect. So I'm glad that, you know, that you were able to, you know, ask people about their habits and, you know, hopefully, you know, reading other people's experiences, well, maybe, you know, if people reconsider and decide to engage, you know, it might be a, a beneficial thing. Um, I kind of want to close it up with what what advice would you have for millennials in you know, the job market for aerospace? And conversely, what advice would you have for employers hiring millennials?
1: Yeah, great question. So first off, I want to emphasize that space is not just for aerospace. Space is so broad, mm-hmm. right? So when you think about typical job advice, you, you think about like an aerospace engineering or something, but actually with the way that space is diversifying and democratizing, space is being opened up for all kinds of types of backgrounds and, and disciplines and different industry partnerships. So um, don't think that space isn't for you. That's That's my number one piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Is that you can go into space, whether or not you are a scientist, engineer, whether you're good at math or not. Whatever your background is, you belong in space. You know, what, I, I mean that generally, not necessarily in space, but I hope that we all get to go to space someday <laughs> as well. Um, be I personally cool. still want to go. Um, and then I, I dedicated a whole chapter to generational differences and the perspectives that some millennials have on their older colleagues. And I think that, you know, some very, very answers and some people didn't see any generational differences at all. But some people definitely saw differences in the way that the generations use technology, which I think is mm-hmm. being highlighted right now with us all staying at home, working at home. Um, <laughs> we, we have different comfort levels with technology and adaptability mm-hmm. with technology. And millennials are just um, I think it's not necessarily even a millennial thing. It's just, again, we're in our 20s and 30s. We're more adaptable to whatever the newer technology is. And I think that was an area of um, concern that maybe older generations aren't as eager to adapt to newer ways to do things, whether or not it's technology or just a new perspective and opening up their minds to a different way. That necessarily hasn't been a way in the past. Now, some people accredited this to wiser, older generations, you know, rejecting ideas that just don't work, which yeah, that might actually be the case. However, um, you know, you never know when a, a new idea might turn into the na- next greatest thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, for me at least that's one of the amazing things about the space community generally whether it's somebody you know in the in you know the end years of their career they're getting ready for retirement or somebody that's coming in i feel like there's you're working in an industry that's literally pushing the boundaries of what's possible with technology and what humans can achieve so i think since we have that in common it's like build from that and go from there and i think it's you know, it'd be better for everybody if we just, you know, realize that, hey, we've got this in common, we might work a little bit differently, or we might have a little bit different views on certain things. But we're working towards the same end goal here. (laughs) We might be going about it in different ways. But just recognizing that I think would be uh, an important step.
1: And I think for the most part, people do. I I don't see there being very many generational divides or or anything like that other than the the joking kind of, okay, boomer (laughs) or whatever (laughs) the the thing happens to be. Um, But yeah, that was a a very overall theme of that chapter was that we're all working towards same goals. And no matter what generation you're from, you can get something out of my book. Because as you said, you really related to a lot of the people I interviewed because you too are a millennial. But older generations have given me a lot of feedback about my book, saying that they learned something that they didn't previously realize because they had a a perspective that was maybe incorrect in their minds about how millennials work or operate. So this book is really for anybody.
0: Well, and that's definitely why I would recommend that, you know, everybody read it, regardless of where you're at in your career, just because it, it does help give it a little bit better understanding. And I think that that is if we can just have a dialogue of where people are at for that stuff, you know, where where they're at in their life, um, what their goals are, what their ambitions are. I think that's just it's helpful for everybody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So. That's why I wrote the book.
0: <laughs> well, that's why I'm glad I was able to uh, read it, and I'm glad that it's out there and that people can buy it now. Um, and I will be linking to um, the book where you can purchase it in the show notes. Um, really, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's it's one of those things that you can pick it up. I, when I read it, I read it you know cover to cover. But I feel like if you want to just read a part of it and then skip around almost, you probably could bounce around a little bit and just you know pick and choose where you want to read and just dive into it at any any time, you know, once you read it, you can go back and take a look at a certain chapter and it might provide a little bit of insight that's useful. So I'm I'm really happy that you were able to get that out there and that people are going to be able to read this.
1: Yeah, thank you, John. I appreciate it. And it's not something like you said that needs to be read cover to cover. It's a pretty quick read, though, if you do. But one thing I, I want to talk about is that anybody can reach out to me if you have any questions. If you are a millennial or you are even Generation Z, and you want to work in space, or even if you're an older generation, you just have some questions about working in space or working with millennial colleagues, please do reach out to me. I'm happy to help.
0: Perfect. And I'll be able to, um, I'll be sure to put all of your info, um, in the show notes that way people can connect with you and, you know, it's hopefully start a dialogue and learn some stuff and have some fun. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you for coming on again, Laura. I look forward to next time.
1: Excellent. Thanks so much.
0: I do have a call-in number if you'd like to ask a question or leave a comment. Just dial 720-772-7988 and leave a message. I'm looking forward to sharing the questions that you may have with all of the listeners. As always, the links to everything we talked about today are in the show notes. If you're new to the podcast, I'd appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a review. Reviews in Apple Podcasts help more people find out about the show, and they help make sure it reaches as many people as possible. Until next time, I'm John Mulnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.